episode 69 of the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. I know you're looking at me smiling right now because you're waiting for some type of 69 joke, but we're way classier than that. Are we? Yeah, that's a good qu- That's a good point. <laughs> this is, uh, as we said, the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. We are still doing this over Zoom. It's been this way for couple months now which is weird because it, it feels normal now and it feels odd that we used to get together and do this in person i'm kind of looking forward to that though it will be nice but it, yeah i mean i'll have to i'll have to see if i can remember how to use the equipment and the clean the house clean the house or not or not i mean that's fine i mean the the room that we record in i still record in, but that, that we both would record in it's it's my guest bedroom and when you're not coming over yeah i don't have to like it just it can it can be a mess it can uh i mean right right now it's just it's turned into basically just that side of the room is just a sex dungeon and so when you come i have to clean it up and it has to look like it's a presentable recording area i don't think you cleaned that well when i came over (laughs) (laughs) it's better than first started and i had the mattress flipped over and I had yeah, gets and yeah. everything dead in the sound. Yeah, there there is that. <laughs> so, oh, first, well, sorry, I am Andrew Desimoni here with Trailer Gracie, and we are, you know, we we got a little bit of of a taste this week of jujitsu. We got a little little appetizer. We did. We, you, uh, in our state, we are now allowed, there are different stages, but this stage allowed you to open up the gym for private specifically, right? Right. Basically, minimal contact, minimal number of people in the school, you know, clean all the time. Um, No rolling, nothing, nothing strenuous, nothing like that. But yeah, it's better than, you know, what we had before which was nothing yeah and that that started tuesday uh yeah tuesday yeah and i did a private with you yesterday and right. it was just nice to get in there it, it, what was funny is we we were only in our new gym for what a month before this happened six weeks six weeks six weeks so We've been shut down longer than we were open at that location. Yeah. So when, when, when I was walking <laughs> back in, it felt like a foreign gym. I, like I'm walking in thinking it's been so long. Like, oh, yeah, this is our gym. And like it had like a different smell to it than I remembered. Probably because it's cleaner right now than it's ever been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was always clean, but we, we, you know, we're pretty much deep cleaning the school every day now. Yes, yeah, and you you can tell because every the mats are always like shiny because they were just cleaned and there's disinfectant everywhere and masks. So that is yeah. how are you? How are you? Uh, how do you do? How do you do jujitsu and not be like too contagious with people? Are you wearing masks? Yeah, I mean we we were everybody was required to wear masks. You know, what's it uh, like? Anytime the masks. Is it like training with your mask on? I mean, I had a little, I, had a li- I did it for an hour with you, but you have to do it for a few hours straight every night. 
Yeah, no, we weren't, we weren't rolling. So, so there is that, you know, and whenever, whenever anybody needed a break, cause it was getting hard to breathe, you know, or something like that, then we basically separated. So we were more than six feet apart. We take the mask off for, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, put it back on and continue drilling. Um, but, but even though we made sure that anytime we were, we were drilling a lot, we wouldn't do like 50 reps. We'd do 10, take a break, 10, take a break and so on. Right. And is it tough for you? Because when you start classes, usually people walk in and you extend your hand out and they kiss the top of like your, your knuckles <laughs> and we can't do that now. So is it just a weird way for you to start a class without like 20 people kissing your hand? I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, but if they did that, it's weird that they aren't kissing the air, you know, like an air kiss to my hand, you know, but, but that's okay. Would you, okay. I guess, yeah. Would you prefer that we blow, blow you a kiss when we come? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I want that. I'm just saying if it were to happen. Okay. Well, I'll do that, but I just need you to promise that you won't completely ignore it. I need you to either catch it and like do something yeah, you can do whatever you catch it you can like be silly and be like, and like pretend like you eat it or you can catch it and throw it or like swat it away you just have to acknowledge the blown kiss okay yeah i, I can't promise that all right well so we yesterday like i said we had our uh, it was my first time on the mats with you it was also odd getting my gi out and putting my gi on and um i hadn't washed it since i don't know it's just been wadded up and sweating. <laughs> Maybe I'm why Corona. I hope started. you watched it. No, yeah. Yeah, you might cool. be the reason, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I put it on. I, 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 I fortunately remembered how to tie my belt after a couple of YouTube videos. Good. Oh, that's not good. I mean, I'm glad you, you checked before you came and made a fool of yourself, but it's not good that you forgot. <laughs> uh, so I tied my belt and then I walk out and it's you and then... Uh, our friend Clive was there who was, he's, Clive's like a, a gift because he just, he, he's always open for being like the dummy or the, I think Uki is what he'll call it. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, he, he's pretty much kind of volunteered, you know, um, he, he, he sees the benefit of being in every, essentially every private class because he'll, get to feel the techniques and you know even though he doesn't get to practice he gets to listen to the steps he gets to kind of you know train at, there without actually training for it so obviously he's looking for the benefit um but even so the dude's a hero because um it's not easy being a dummy for an entire hour much less for like a hundred and ninety some hours of private classes i have to give before we reopen so yeah, and it also says a lot because Clive is a very clean person. He's the kind of guy who, yes. after class, has like a Ziploc baggie with like wipes where he'll like clean himself down. And so, in the midst of he's all a, that's going, he's almost a perfect person. Yeah, for the current situation. Yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right. Where he's he's the perfect person to train with, but not, you wouldn't think he's the perfect person to be able to be in that role of the Uki because you're, I, I would constantly be thinking, Oh fuck, is this person sick? But he, he, he powers through that. And I, I did notice every time he'd go and like wipe him, see 
like douse himself yeah. and disinfect him. But yeah, before yeah, before and after every private, he wipes himself down and, and goes right back at it. Now, bef- I guess before I move on to what we talked about in that private, Clive, I don't want to fr- move past without mentioning he's a really good training partner. He's yes. He, I mean, there's a reason I'm sure why you have him as probably your main person to do to be the dummy in a private class. What is it that he does that makes him so, uh, so beneficial as a training partner? Well, there's definitely a skill in being a good training partner, you know, like sometimes you, you know, you partner up with somebody and they're going full force, either resisting or fighting a technique while you're trying to learn, which is not good because then you don't even get to feel the technique when it's done right you, you're always against this 100 percent resisting opponent which then forces you to muscle the technique to make it work and it throws it off the on the same line of thought you can have somebody who is far too like gentle and they're not even there you know they're essentially like a bag of potatoes that you're moving around um that's not good either because you know jiu-jitsu is meant to be done on somebody who is doing things to you so there's definitely a skill in learning how how hard you can go without damaging the person's the person's learning and how easy you can go again without you know ruining their technique um so you know it takes takes a little bit of skill it takes a little bit of practice you know he's been been in the game for a while so he's a good partner for that and he also he cares i mean he cares that you do the technique right so like there were several times today where he's like, no, no, do it again, you know, or do it again, or you missed this or you missed that. And, um, you know, these people that thought they did it right, they, you know, they got a few extra reps in because he wanted to make sure that they got it right. And to be a good training partner like that, do you have to have a lot of knowledge? Because part of, I think part of what makes him good at that is he knows, he's kind of tuned into you. He knows where you're going with it. So he can, he can help assist. Does someone have to know, a lot about what's going on in, in some a situation like that to be helpful? No, they don't have to be, they don't have to know what I know. Like they don't have to know what I'm teaching to be good, a good train partner for that. You know, um, they just have to have experience, mm-hmm. you know, there, and, and, and it doesn't take a lot of experience. If you've been there for about a year, you, you can be a very good train partner. If, if you have the good, the personality for it. The problem is a lot of people don't, you know, they, they, they're there for themselves. And, and I think to be a good training partner, you have to be there for, for everyone. Sure. So the class, the, the private that I did with you, we chose to go over the purple belt test curriculum. Correct. That's something that I'm getting close to and you're starting to starting to also put a little heat on me to to get my ass in gear and try this out yeah i mean you're only you know two months behind just a few how you know how do people so there's someone out there trying to guess if they should test for their blue or their purple how do you know when you're ready so we have to preface it with, you know, 90, 95% of the schools out there don't perform any sort of testing for their belt. 
right? They they simply give a belt to somebody that's well in class or they do well in a tournament or they've been there for a certain amount of time. They'll, they get him to stripe for a belt and, and we test for belts um, because I think I think the the act of going through learning everything that is expected of you at a minimum level because the curriculum really is just a minimum level you know minimum milestone for that belt um i think it oftentimes helps you realize the weak weak part of parts of your game you know um like you may not know as much from let's say you know north and south but you may rock out in you know open guard or something like that so i think it helps you prepare now as far as how does somebody how does somebody basically self-analyze like they're ready to test that's a really tough question um from white to blue at our school it's easy right because the the white what beginner scores cycles every like 15 to 16 weeks so if you've been there two to three times which is roughly a year you've had three passes over the entire course and then you you should it should almost start becoming a little bit more like oh yeah i got this i know this already and then when you get to that point where everything just you you just know the classes there's no reason not to test things get a little bit more complicated when we get into the color belt because the program grow the curriculum grows at such exponential rate that it becomes very tough to to make that distinction and generally speaking my trigger to tell people that they should start getting ready to test for their purple belt is when they get their fourth stripe, you know, on whatever belt, blue, purple, or brown. Once they get the fourth stripe, that's me telling you, like, get your shit in gear and start thinking about the next belt. And do you really think it's that big of a majority that doesn't test for schools? Oh, 100%. 100%. There is there 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 are i would say 80% at least 75% but i'm i'd comfortably say 80% of schools out there don't even have a curriculum right the instructor essentially comes in says we're going to teach this today and or or he may say we're going to learn these things for the next two or three weeks and then that those same three things or four things that they learned in those few weeks will repeat themselves in six months because they forgot that they've covered it or they think it's a good idea to go over it again. Um, or, you know, they won't, they won't have a plan for a class and it's not a knock on anyone. That's, that's just how that stems. That's a heavy influence from the Brazilian culture. Like if you go to any school in Brazil, even today, um, you're almost guaranteed to walk into a class where you're going to learn whatever the instructor feels like that day. And sometimes it's not even on the same subject. Like sometimes they'll show you like arm bar for mount and then they'll do like a choke in the back and then like a guard pass, They're like completely unrelated topics, but that's what they feel like teaching that day, you know? Um, so if there's no curriculum in place and there's no true structure, then there's, there's nothing to test on. It's too hard to test. How do you test on, how could I test everybody to the same test? if I don't know that all the, all my white belts or all my blue belts or all my purple belts know the same stuff. Yeah, that's true. Do you find that people who are testing 
for blue belt to purple belt and brown. Are those different stages, the people at those, are they always, is it a similar mentality? Are they asking you, are they showing you the same fears? Are they, are they, is it always the same thing? Well, I'm just nervous. I'm a little overwhelmed. It seems like a lot. I think, I think blue to purple is the one that I get that the most, you know, because you go from white to blue and there's only, I think it's like just under 70 techniques in our beginner course. Did you say 70? Then when, yeah. Is that many? Seven zero. It doesn't feel like it. Seven zero. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're just under, I think it's maybe like 64, 65, something like that, but just under 70 techniques. Um, but then when you go to like the blue to purple, like, you know, just between chokes, locks and, and takedowns, you've passed that. Like you, 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 you've done that stuff and the test is cumulative. So not only do you have to know your blue to purple, you have to know your white to blue as well. So the test becomes exponentially tougher. Um, as far as like the amount of content that's in there, um, so I think it's the first time where it's like, oh shit, this is like levels above white to blue, you know? And I think once you get past that, then you know that when you go from purple to brown, it's going to be levels above blue to purple and same thing from brown to black. Um, also, I think that there is a, like a paradigm shift, like a mindset shift on the on the athlete on the student or on the competitor that's training i think white to blue it's an easy milestone you feel good you've reached that first win which is why a lot of people quit jiu-jitsu is because they want to go out in the win if they survive the blue belt because the blue belt you know it's three to five years in a blue belt for for you to be ready for your purple at least with me so there's a lot of dedication and focus and then by the time you become a purple belt within a matter of weeks, you start realizing because during your test prep, you're so focused on the test. You're not seeing your growth and then you get your purple belt. And within a few weeks of getting that purple belt, the realization hits that like there is a bigger separation between you and the blue belt than the blue belt and the white belt, you know, and and I think that causes a mind shift, mind, uh, like a shift in the mindset, um, which is also why, like um, my buddy Paul Elliott, who promised us to be our, our wine, you know, sponsor. Um, sponsor uh-huh. I'm yet to receive a wine during this Corona thing. So, <laughs> um, but that's a side note. <laughs> um, that's why, like Paul Elliott calls the purple belts the the teenagers of of jujitsu. You know, it's when they're realizing what they're capable of. But they're not quite capable enough yet. Yeah, and they're just, <laughs> you they're know, just they're, trying to fuck all the time, right? That's no? that's not where I was getting at. Oh, but, okay. but maybe they are. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Hey, know. you're I not in the locker room, man. You miss out on a lot. I guess I guess I do. I need to to stop by there more, or avoid it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So you know, the pro belts realize that they they are the the blue belts my belts can do them zero harm you know so they feel they they know how good they are they're self-aware but they also don't realize how much further ahead the brown belt is from them you know 
Um, and then I think when you get your, your brown belt, you know you're good. Like by the time you get your brown belt, like you're good. You're not only the the moody teenager that that your purple belt version was. You're you know you're good. You know you're capable. You might be tapping black belts at this stage, um, and then it just becomes a matter of how do I get the black from brown to black. That's like a question that I think a lot of instructors struggle is like what determines what is what what makes you determine that a student is no longer a brown belt and is now black belt because like i said by the time they get to be a, a brown belt they're they're tough you know there's no easy brown belts out there so um i think it comes down to polishing the game because by the time you become a, a brown belt your game should be well-rounded in every position so it becomes can i polish it enough so that i'm smooth everywhere and and if that's been achieved, then it becomes experience because you can't teach experience. So you want to give them time to develop that well-polished, well-rounded game. So what kind of stuff then are you looking for when you're watching your brown belts and you're thinking they're getting close to that black belt stage? What kind of you, you mentioned polish, but like what kind of stuff? What does that equal when you're just viewing them throughout the course of their training? Um. So like. So for a white belt, I'm just looking that they know their lefts from rights. <laughs> you know, for for blue belts, I'm looking to see that they recognize techniques. They understand that in these positions, these things can happen and they see it coming. Or they're recognizing the positions and they're capable of taking advantage of those positions. And also sometimes um, confirming that they still know their left from their right. Yes, it's cumulative. So I would assume that they still know their yeah. lefts from rights. So I check every once in a while. Um and then I think um, for like the purple belts, what I would do for me, what I look for in my purple belts is, are they exploring and growing? Because by the time you get good enough to be a purple belt, it means you've developed like a really solid, well-rounded like an A game. Like you, you have a good pattern of attack. You know where you where you strat where you, where you are just great. You 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 can get ahead of people, even people you know higher rank than you but it doesn't mean that you actually explore areas that are weak that you don't do so well in because, you know, we, we like to do the things we're good at. Um, so for me, the pro belts, they need to explore, they need to grow their game and kind of, you know, burst a bubble and all that. So from, from that point forward, um, you know, the Brown belts to me, I'm looking more for concepts, uh, application of concepts. Like I said, polishing the game. It's not how good the technique. It's not can they do the technique or are they tough in every position. Is it's how good is the technique being performed? How well timed? How well? How smooth it is in every place? How do they react under pressure? Can they perform the technique just as well under pressure? You know what I mean? Like so, it's it, it's more. A confirmation of their ability more than necessarily like this amazing secret technique do you find people who get to purple belt do they you mentioned getting past it's like a new paradigm or it's a paradigm shift where you get past this point and look back and go oh yeah i got through that tough comprehensive test does that mean that they then look forward and does brown become more attainable to them do, do you see them go like, oh, yeah, I, I could do that now. That's not that far away. 
Well, I think that they realize that, I think they, 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 they are very aware that the test is going to become harder even. And I'm going to expect more out of people, right? But I also think that given the experience they just went through, that they're aware that if they train and prepare and study, they can they can overcome it. You know, what I mean, like that's part that's part of the reason we test is because it becomes this milestone of you can say, I went through that, like I can overcome this. That's not a problem. It's, we just talked about things like fears and things that people uh, that that go through people's minds when they're testing. And for me, thinking about my purple belt test, the First, I always was concerned about after seeing like the first purple belt test. Oh my God, that's so much information. There's a lot to remember. I can't do like, I'll never remember all of this. And I always thought I, w- I was never that concerned about the, the workout or the rolling. Not that I'm like, I'm going to beat everyone's ass rolling. I'm just like, I might get my ass kicked rolling, but I, I, I'll be able to push through. I'll have the cardio. But with all that's gone going on over the last <laughs> two months, the, the two things that I thought like I can get through this are now the things I feel shakiest about because I have been, I have been like a, a just sloth combined with a slug over the last two months. I'll, I'll like me, me too. Me too. Yeah. But, but like, I think my my body's slowly turning into a uh, oh maybe one of those 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 fish I can't remember what they're called that have they look like they have really big noses and like droop like droopy big noses they just look like sad old men I feel like that's what like my torso is turned into. I'm sorry to hear that. Listen, you can only eat so much ice cream and potato <laughs> chips and not work out over the course of two months. It's, that's, that's true. That is, that is true. As soon as I start to run like two laps, I'm really going to – I assume that you'll be adjusting the physical standards to the gym uh, because of what's gone on. Uh, at least you're, you're going to give us all like a year buffer to just get back into shape, right? Does that sound like something I would do? No, but I mean, uh, I, I can be a little, I can be a little hopeful, right? Uh, sure. You can as hope, hope as much as you want. No, but as I, as I talk about that, the one nice thing is I feel more comfortable and confident with the uh, re- retention of material that I'll need to know. Not that I'm like, boom, I got it. I could take it tomorrow, but going over it with people before this all happened, but then it really going over it yesterday with you and saying, Oh, I still remembered. I thought I'd, I thought I'd forget everything. I thought you and I would start and I'd be like, God damn it. I I'm like at square one, but I remembered more than I thought I would. And that gave me like a little bit of hope. Yeah. It's amazing how, um, you know, part of it is the structure of how we, we teach. It's very structured and it helps retention and helps recall. But, um, you know, but you also have to give yourself credit for, you know, you're, you're going on just shy of five years mm. of training or, or maybe just over five years. I'm not sure. Just shy, yeah. Uh, just shy of five years. So, you know, you, you train pretty consistently two, three times a week, every week. You know, you don't usually miss. So, like... 
you got to give yourself credit for for putting in the time too it's not like you're this random guy that shows up every once in a while you know don't put in the effort you are not giving yourself you know you're not really trying because there's there's students that come in and they're there every day but they're not really there every day you know i mean like they're not really trying so Mm -hmm. um yeah i think you've got to give yourself a little more credit than that yeah well and also a big a ton of credit to people that were like the people at the gym like the like a clive or travis who's a clive and travis are both blue belts at our school who are probably be testing if not the same time as me right around that time Right. I think, I think Travis, Travis is playing on hitting them pretty hard when, when we come back. Um, I think Clive is too. I think the three of you guys are all just, you guys just don't want to be the first. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, waiting. I think like one of, we're like all standing, yeah, on, are, we're like standing on that line and we're like, okay, go. And we're all like faking, like we're going to go waiting for the other person to run out. Right. Right. And I just, we just need one of you guys to just bite the bullet and do it. And then the other two will follow shortly after. Sure. But, but, but the, going back to like, just, yeah, why a, a credit to those guys and just the noticing how helpful, like a good team is they, they, the work that they put in, which has been more, they, they work together a lot and they'll take notes and then they have no problem me coming in to the equation being like, Hey, I haven't been like, I haven't been here like studying with you guys, but can you like give me your notes and can you like help me out? And they could be like, no, fuck you. You weren't, you weren't like, you weren't like sitting here before class helping us out, but they, they, right. they're nice. And they, they give me the, 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 well, I think, I think we've created that culture in the school though. I think everybody helps everybody out. And sometimes, you know, you'll get a Roy, you know, or, or a Charlie, they don't, they don't know anything, but that they're still like, it's not, they don't know anything that they're, you know, they're early blue belt and then, you know, a brand new white belt, essentially. How, how could a, a guy who just got his blue belt help you get ready for your purple belt? Like, that's so easy for him to just be like, it's a, it's a waste of your time. I can't mm. do this. But they're, they're still like, oh, no, I'll, I'll be a body. You know, you tell me what to do and I'll, you know, and I'll, I'll take it. So I think everybody is willing to do as much as they physically can to help any one other person in the school get ready or, or just in general, I see it, you know, when people are prepping for competition, I see it when people are prepping for tests, I see it when, you know, if, if you struggle and you come in early and people are sitting around, they'll step up and drill and review and, and help. So I, I'm, I'm very blessed for the, for the team we have and then everybody's in there because um, everybody, you know, is, is really helping each other out all the time in, in every way. Yeah. Okay, that's this will just be a, a episode on like belts uh, and testing because <laughs> that's pretty much all the time. I guess before we go, we'll do a we'll do an Instagram question. Uh, okay, this one's from Alexi. He okay. it's a four part question. Okay, so the first part. Yeah, uh, this is for you. I'm assuming because it wouldn't make sense if it's directed at me. It says, what is your link between the other members and the Gracie family? Because I know Elio is your grandfather, but beside that, I'm a little lost, and I did and I did not find you on the tree. <laughs> oh, I don't know which tree you looked at. Um, no, Alexi, my my mom is Erica Gracie. She's Elio Gracie's oldest daughter, um, and I'm her firstborn. Um, 
So Ilya Gracie had two daughters and a lot of people don't realize that because the, the guys all got famous and popular and so on. Um, but you know, she, yeah, he had two, uh, two daughters and my mom's the oldest and, um, and then there's me. Yep. And you got a little brother too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Question two, you know, and back to the family tree thing. I, yeah, I don't know what tree saw, but I know when we went to Gracie Umaita in, uh, Rio that, which was your grandpa's one of his like original schools where Holker, your uncle teaches still teaches. Yeah. Still teaches. They had a huge family tree. It, it was, it was neat. It was uh, surrounded by all like these old photos of family and, and just tr- all the historical things that took place over the years there. And they had the family tree with like everyone they had. It was, there was so many people on there and yeah, we got to tracing. Oh, there's, there's a little Croiler on there. <laughs> I haven't been called little in a long time. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Number two from Alexi. Croiler, what is your definition? Oh, this is, yeah, this is, okay, this is kind of a, a repeat of what we just did. What is your definition of a purple belt and brown belt? So um, I don't know. Do you feel like you could expound on it anymore? Or do you think you summed that up earlier? I mean, maybe I can summarize it. I think a purple belt is somebody who needs to break out of their shell and explore different areas of their game maybe areas that they are not particularly good at, even if it means failure. And I think a purple belt is somebody who has gone through that game expansion and has explored those different areas. And then that it is now polishing that game to make it smooth all around. Mm-hmm. Next question from him. Ooh, to both of us. That means I get to answer this one to both of you. <laughs> who is your favorite jujitsu guy in gi and no gi and why? All right, I'll start us off here because I'm sure mine will be shorter. Um, your, my, yours. Here's who your favorite is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know who I'd say my favorite is. I really enjoy watching the Meow Brothers. They, they're, they're smaller guys, so, and I feel like their style is a style that I, I would enjoy, enjoy doing. I'm not going to say that it's like mine, but I feel like when I watch them roll, they're doing things that I would love to do in like on like my best day and like the best possible future of my, my jujitsu. They, they have a lot of things like I love watching them, like their back takes, their, their their barren bows, their crab, their crab rides. They, they just get, they'll get to people's backs from positions where you think, just give up, do something else. Like you're not going to get there. And then all of a sudden they have someone's back. Yep. Um, what about you? Do you, uh, for me, and keep in mind, we, we don't have like 10 hours because you could probably oh, go into like, okay. well, do you, hmm, do you like, so, a do you, do you mean Nogi from which decade? Well, actually from like 2000 or do you want me to go to, I'll go year by year who I like. Gi and Nogi. <laughs> um, no. So I think, I think in the Gi, um, easily, I think Hajar, um, I think he, he exemplifies the the beauty of simple jiu-jitsu um, and the effectivity of it. Um, but I also really enjoyed Hafa Mendes quite a bit. Um, Hafa was, had a short run. He was, you know, I think he was five or six time world champion consecutive, I think. Um, but uh, it's, it's an impressive run, but it was a short run compared to like 
a Hajar Bushisha who did it for, you know, 10 years, um, or a Malfacine, you know, but, um, but, but Hafa, Hafa had a really interesting style in it that he, he didn't just like win the match, you know, he, he beat the dog shit out of you. Um, hmm. and he did it like he, and he made it look easy. Okay. Question four in his last part. Do you think that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is for me if I had back issues? It's like a herniated disc. Because I trained in jiu-jitsu two months last fall and had to stop because my omnipresent back pain was getting worse. Now my herniated disc is fixed, but I still have a little bit of pain. So is jiu-jitsu something that can be healthy for me? Because I really loved it. And if so, what should I be aware of in training in order to stay healthy in my practice? Well, um, you know, first, I think jujitsu is for everyone. I think I think anyone can do jujitsu, and anyone can be successful at it. And regardless of injury, physical shape, body type, etc. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you're you know your body better than anyone else, and you need to. You know, I, I don't know what kind of backpack pain you're having, or what kind of injury caused it to happen. The the best thing I can say is is take the proper precaution to protect yourself from a future injury. You know, if you, if you, you know, if your back was hurt because, you know, you, you didn't have the muscle to support it. So maybe start, you know, a small, you know, strength and conditioning program to build your back to protect that injury. If it's one of those things where, you know, it's compressed because maybe you're overweight or something like that, then maybe get into like a nutritionist and lose a little bit of that weight. Basically, um, have some sort of, um, you know, support, you know, boost your, 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 your body, you know, way that benefits your jujitsu. So if you, if you did all that, if you, if you have good nutrition, if you have good exercise, if you're stretching, if you're flexible, maybe you're not flexible enough and then you start stretching, do yoga, maybe that helps that. Right. But if you've taken all those measures and, and you're still having back pain when you train, then you need to start thinking of how is it that I'm training that's causing this to happen? You know, if, if you have a back issue in the you know, whole inverted game is out of the window, like you should mm-hmm. just stop doing that because, you know, and, and that takes practice kind of learning to work around things. Um, and it doesn't mean that you won't be good. It doesn't mean that you won't be a complete grappler or whatever. It just means you'll have a slightly different game than if you had, if your back wasn't injured. Okay. That's it. Uh, now we will call that an episode. Uh, before we do, let's just do a quick, uh, quick, make you just, quick question here. Okay. If you had to dance in front of a large group of people, okay, which of these songs would you prefer to dance to? Okay. Three choices. One, bringing sexy back by Justin Timberlake. You know the song, right? <laughs> I think so. Two, Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. You know that one? I think so. Okay. And three, let's say, let's say Poker Face by Lady Gaga. Okay. Which of these songs, and you you have to dance for the whole song. And am I dancing by myself? You're by yourself, yeah. So basically I'm just, I'm doing like a exhibition. 
Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. It's like a recital almost. It's, it's like you're, you're a Napoleon dynamite in the end of the movie and you're dancing for everyone. Okay. Maybe bringing sexy back then. Okay. And I think it'd be the shortest of the three songs. What would it take for like me to get you to do that? Like to have like a, if there was a talent show for you to do that or just put this performance on. If, if I said, I'll, I'll give so, this much money to charity of your choice. Would, would you be like, okay. No, give that money to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the charity is you. <laughs> it depends. If I had time to prepare, it probably wouldn't take as much. Okay. Oh, my God. I just had the best. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it wouldn't be an exorbitant amount of money. I'm just saying it wouldn't be as much money. <laughs> I just had the best idea ever. When this is all done, we'll all be looking to uh, at our gym to do some fun group event. We should have a talent show, a jujitsu talent show. <laughs> this is the best idea I've ever had. I'm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> huh. But the, the only way this comes together is if you promise to do – to, to show off something and it can't be jujitsu. You can't be like, Oh, I'm going to show you guys how to do a good rear naked joke. No, it has to be something different. Think about it. Like a dance, like a dance almost. That would be, that would be that if you started it off with a dance, <laughs> that would be incredible. Everyone would be excited. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll give you, I'll think about it, but probably not. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to do this, like a jujitsu talent show where we're raising money for something. And if so, if you say no, you look like a really bad person. Okay. <laughs> I know you're very comfortable in that role. So yeah. I've been, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode, everyone. We will see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>